This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Mary Beth Antone, Associate Vice President of Operations at Silver Cross Hospital in New Lenox, Illinois. Mary Beth, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Um, I am a registered nurse by training, have always worked within the cardiology realm, Uh, I entered management quickly, fairly quickly when I first became a nurse. I think I had my first management job in like year five or six and have slowly worked my way through organizations um, in many different roles over the last, I'm not even going to tell you how many years, but it's been quite a while. I graduated from Rush University, worked there for a while, then spent some time at Christ Hospital as a staff nurse in the surgical heart unit there and left Christ Hospital in Oak Lawn to go to Edward Hospital in Naperville to be a part of the team that started the open heart program there in the late um, 80s, almost 1990. Spent a considerable amount of time there and have been at Silver Cross Hospital for, it will be 18 years in this December. And coming here um, was to kind of do the same thing over again, start a cardiology program here. So very excited when I started here. I was given the responsibility for the cardiology areas and then also imaging because cardiology here was um, a, a very small operation at the time, hence why we wanted to kind of build it. Shortly after I started, though, several years, um, we decided that we were going to build a replacement facility. And rather than start open heart surgery at that time, we were going to concentrate on uh, moving from an old building in Joliet, Illinois, into a brand new facility that we were building in New Lenox, which was only about three and a half miles down the road, but a little bit farther um, what would that be, east, uh, more towards where the center of our service area was. And uh, we did that in February of 2012. We moved into our new facility. And several years ago, um, we kind of relaunched the idea of starting an open heart program here. So um, in my transition um, from the old hospital to the new hospital, I did acquire responsibility uh, for surgery and other interventional areas and was a part of a two-man group who developed the concept of the procedural care unit, which is literally the second floor of our hospital with the exception of one wing um, that is the ICU. And what we do on the procedural care unit is all procedures. So we have a a surgery area, we have ORs that are surrounded by a PACU and a surgery pre-post area. We have an endoscopy uh, procedure suites that are surrounded by um, pre-post areas for endoscopy patients. And then smack dab in the center, we have the interventional suites, uh, which is a combination of cardiology intervention, interventional radiology, electrophysiology, neuro, excuse me, um, endovascular neuroradiology. And then we recently opened up a hybrid lab uh, back in April, just this past April, as a part of our structural heart program. Um, we started Open Heart two years ago on Saturday. We had our second year wedding, an- wedding. Oh, excuse me, uh, second year anniversary of that program, and I'm happy to say that we've exceeded our projections and are helping people in our community uh, by providing those services here. So, I'm your typical. I was a nurse and transitioned into um, business development and then operationalizing um, all of those areas. So, it's oh. been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Absolutely, absolutely. That's a, a fascinating career journey. And it looks like, you know, as you mentioned, moved into administration pretty early and then been able to successfully, um, you know, develop programs at multiple facilities. And I'm wondering, you know, based on your experiences there, what do you see as being just really critical in getting, um, you know, a, a successful cardiology program off the ground? And then, as you mentioned, looking at open heart surgeries as well. Absolutely. Um, well, I will tell you, one of the things that I've been fortunate, I feel like I've been very fortunate to work in organizations that really see our physicians as true partners. I think um, a hospital that doesn't engage uh, their physicians in the development of these programs is doing themselves a disservice because, you know, quite frankly, if you get buy-in uh, from the DACs, on the front end, you're more likely to have a successful program because their wants and needs and desires will be heard on the front end. Um, and sometimes it's hard, you know, working with physicians, they're strong willed, they're entrepreneurs just by the very nature of, you know, the kind of businesses that they go into running their own practices and kind of being their own bosses. Um, but they're also very talented individuals that without the bringing the patients to your facility, you're simply just not going to grow. So I had that at Edward and I most definitely have that here at Silver Cross where, you know, we are an independent hospital. We're not a part of a large system. Our medical staff are truly our partners. And I, I will say that um, any success that we've had here in this organization is because we have engaged the physicians. Now, that's not to say that, you know, we always do things the way the physicians want to do it. But I think just by bringing to them to the table on the front end and kind of letting it, you know, level setting to say, you're, you're the clinician, you know what it takes to provide really good care to patients. We're the experts on the process of how that happens and, you know, how we bring in the right equipment, how we make sure that we do it in a financially responsible manner. How do we code it and get it paid for? And then, quite frankly, um, the other piece of that success is really having talented staff to be able to recruit individuals who are going to buy into uh, the concept of, of growth, not just the status quo. Um, and that's the one thing I will say. Uh, here at Silver Cross Hospital, you know, we have a very dynamic executive team um, that, and a really engaged board of directors, quite frankly. You know, there's a lot of transparency around how we develop these programs and how we bring people on board. And it's interesting that some of the physicians we work with will say, well, at another hospital, you couldn't get in to see the president, or you couldn't speak to the highest level executive over that area. Here, it's completely different. There's a lot of transparency, and there's a lot of, we welcome your opinion. We want to know what you're thinking and how we can do this the best, because quite frankly, at the end of the day, we're partners in providing this care to our community. Got it, got it. That sounds like a, a fascinating plan and obviously so, so important um, to have the physicians there and engaged in building the program with you. Now, looking at where, where you're at at Silver Cross Hospital, what are your top priorities today and how do you think they're going to evolve in the next 12 months or so? Well, you know, it's always a priority for us to remain our independence as long as it makes sense for us to be independent. And our CEO will tell us over and over again that this is something that, you know, is reviewed um, often, I think annually, maybe semi-annually by our board of directors. And they, you know, they they look very closely at does it make sense to either merge with another organization, be acquired by another organization, or is it in our best interest to stay independent? And they're a very discerning board. Um, our executives, like I said, keep them incredibly, incredibly informed. Um, and But to remain independent, we have to be nimble. 
Uh, we have to think outside the box. Uh, we have to move forward to show the payers and the community and our medical staff, quite frankly, that bring their patients here, that we can do it as good, if not better, than those organizations that belong um, to a large system. So the, I think that's a priority organization-wide in terms of what our future strategy is. As it relates to clinical operations, I would say the top priority right now, especially after the pandemic, and we talked a little bit about this before we got started, is um, attracting and retaining really good clinical talent. Uh, it's been a tough year. People are tired. Um, staff, especially in the procedural areas, kind of had a little bit of the flip. Uh, from other areas in the hospital in that, you know, for I think it was about an eight-week period of time, we had to suspend our elective procedures. And, you know, when you go into healthcare, you know, it's kind of a joke. People in the hospital will say, well, I always have a job. People are always going to get sick. But when you work in a procedural area, people that come see you, sometimes you're preventing them from getting sick, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the, the cardiology practice. There might be a patient who is not at all symptomatic, but by virtue of having an EKG here or a blood pressure screening there, ends up having a cardiac cath, and that's how we find out they have heart disease, not necessarily that they were symptomatic. So we had a shift a little bit in that when we suspended electives, a lot of people had to stay home. I mean, they had to, you know, either volunteer to work in the COVID unit, which was very scary at the very beginning, or just kind of take a pause and, you know, kind of take a, a little time off. And that was, that was hard. That was hard for some folks. And um, those that were very well tenured in healthcare, uh, that were maybe one or two years away from ret retirement, and they have all this clinical intelligence, they have this wealth of experience to share with the new people, you know, they got spooked a little bit. Maybe some of them said, you know what, it's, this is a sign that it's time for me to kind of leave because I don't want to put myself or my family at risk. And then maybe we had, we had young talent that just started in healthcare that said, wow, I, I didn't know that it could be this dangerous for me to work in a hospital. So maintaining the talent that we were able to um, keep during that time and then being competitive on recruiting new talent into the organization so that we can continue to provide the excellent care that we provide here. And then I would say finally, the last priority would be always really thinking a couple steps ahead, you know, never settling for the status quo, always looking at what, what is new and what is innovative in the market. How can we bring technologies and clinical expertise to this? You know, we like to refer to ourselves as a regional medical center. I think some people still in their minds think, well, Silver Cross is a sleepy little hospital over there on the, you know, east side of Joliet. And we just have far surpassed what we thought we would be able to do in this new location, in large part because, like I said, of our very progressive board, our very transparent executives, and the wonderful clinical teams, both doctors, nurses, and all the support staff that work here to really kind of, you know, put our name on the map. But we can't stop here. We kind of always have to be thinking what's coming next. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And, you know, so interesting to think about um, how not only are you looking to figure out what's going on next, but understanding um, how, you know, the, the um, recent pandemic affected the workforce and, and, you know, where you're coming. So what are the biggest challenges you're facing today? Is it workforce related or are there other things that you're really looking at to, to make a difference? Well, you know, it is workforce related, most definitely. I would say, you know, we can't provide care without the folks to do it. But I think some of the other challenges are, you know, um, 
you know, not performing procedures, not uh, doing surgeries or, you know, very complex uh, cardiac procedures <clears throat> during the time of the pandemic was a financial strain on the organization. And even though we did, you know, receive federal aid and what have you, um, we still need money to buy the new technology that we want to provide service to people in the future. So, you know, a challenge will always be to maintain our financial independence to make sure that we can, you know, um, provide service in such a way that we're reimbursed and we have a good bottom line and we can reinvest those dollars into new technology uh, moving forward. Um, I would say, too, that the other the other challenge I think that all hospitals are facing right now is just um, – being kind of being all things to all people. We went through this. It was really difficult for us, I think, during the pandemic. Uh, our organization is very well known for our commitment to customer service. We have a very friendly atmosphere. We follow seven behaviors that really are to make our patients and their loved ones feel welcome when they're here. And we had to limit visiting. We had to limit interaction. Um, and that's been really diff- I think that's been really difficult. You know, those of us who work in healthcare, you know, we did it. Be- we we entered the field because we love people and we want to help people. And come with that comes human interaction and you know sharing the highs and the lows. You know, being able to share in the birth of a new child on on one floor in the hospital, and to be with someone who just lost a loved one on another floor in the hospital. And that human interaction, the fact that we kind of had to trim back on that just as the rest of the world did, you know, was a little isolating and getting back into how do we go back to that while following all the rules and the regulations that we know are out there to keep us safe as it relates to the pandemic. And quite frankly, you know, wondering, are we going to have a third wave or a fourth wave? Because I'll tell you, the first wave, as tough as it was, we were kind of learning as we went along. When the second wave kit hit, I think it kind of knocked the wind out of all of us because it was a lot worse in terms of the acuity. It was um, we had our processes in place where so we, we were really sure about what we were doing and how we were doing it, but we had really, really sick patients that you know that was hard. So I think the you know kind of balancing we're a business and we need to provide health care so that we can make money so that we can reinvest in people and technology with also that we just want we're all people people and we want to we want to be able to maintain that human interaction if that absolutely sense. yeah yeah you know and i i think that's a really good point that isn't always brought up when you're talking about um some of the ramifications of COVID-19, um, just, you know, obviously the stress of caring for patients and really sick patients and not knowing, you know, what's going to, the future is going to bring is mm-hmm. one thing, but then, you know, being the type of person that really wants to have that human-human connection and make a difference in that way and not being able to do that for the past, right. you know, 18 plus months is, is, I'm sure, incredibly challenging. You know, when you look at um, some of these issues that are facing healthcare and healthcare workforce, how do you see them um, being resolved or, or or, you know, um, changing over time just in terms of whether um, there will be, you know, new or better processes or opportunities in place for people who are sticking with the workforce or now just entering it after seeing, you know, everything that happened in the past year. 
Yeah, well, you know, we a lot of us, you know, we have these philosophical discussions over the lunch table about, you know, what we've all experienced in the last year and some of the controversy out there about the, you know, the vaccine or whether or not you should wear a mask and how the CDC and how how this all works, right? So, you know, we've all worked in healthcare forever and, you know, 24 months ago, if you were to say to a layperson on the street what the term PPE, they would have no clue what you're talking about. Now, everybody knows what PPE is. Everybody's an expert on what the medical community does and does not do, um, which is, 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 you know, kind of funny um, at that we are just kind of in a position where we need to think about how we are going to move forward to, and learn from this experience and how we deliver care and how we make our staff comfortable and how we make the, the public feel comfortable coming into an organization, which, you know, in in the past, you know, you go to the hospital, so you want to go visit somebody, it's okay to have, you know, five or six people in the room as long as they behave themselves and are, you know, jumping around. Um, but now it's not safe to do that. And will it ever be safe again? And, you know, there are, you know, the the younger generations coming into the workforce that, you know, like any generation in the workforce, there's multiple that come from a different mindset and a different perspective. And um, how we can tap into those you know, altruistic people that will say, you know, I want to work. I was inspired by what I saw when the pandemic hit and there were people that were committing themselves to caring for these sick people. Kind of like I said earlier, uh, before we, we jumped on the call, that after 9-11, there were a lot of people that joined the military. They wanted to make a difference. There were a lot of people who said, I want to be a fireman because I want to help save lives. So we're kind of in the same mix now in healthcare where, you know, we're hoping um that there's a there's a group of folks out there that are inspired and say I want to I want to be a part of the next big wave, and in the meantime, you know, just go to work every day and do what I can do to make someone who's either undergoing a procedure who's scared feel better about it, or care for someone who is uh, sick, or rejoice with someone who's just delivered a you know brand new beautiful healthy baby. Got it. Got it. That's that's really great to hear. Now, how are you thinking about department growth? Oh, you know, in, in procedural areas, you know, we're always uh, really excited when someone new joins our staff and they want to bring new volume. Um, it's supporting um, our proceduralists in helping them onboard new folks into their practice, um, helping them feel welcomed here. Um, we have been fortunate at Silvercross in, in that we have a lot of um, – we have a lot of processes that make it easy for the docs to bring their business here. Um, they might not always agree, and, and sometimes they get upset because access is kind of difficult, but the good news is it's difficult is because we're busy. Um, so from a, from a growth perspective, you know, when we started open heart surgery in May of 2019, we knew that folding that into um, our current space in the operating room suite here was going to be kind of tight, so we had the forethought um, to build an extension that just opened about a month and a half ago that houses um, two new CBORs and the hybrid room. And then we launched our TAVR program. Um, so again, I think it's a looking, looking, not just being happy with where we're at right now, but saying, what can we do and how can we engage our physicians to grow programs here? And that is 
sometimes taking a risk. I mean, open heart was, was a risk. It made sense from a numbers perspective, but there's still a lot of open heart programs in the area. Um, there are folks that might still think that you can't have this type of thing done in a community setting, um, but taking a leap of faith and um, working with our docs to, you know, you want to bring a new procedure here. If there's a new technology, we can do it on a limited basis to see if it works. Um, I just think it all goes back to growth equals partnering with physicians. If we don't partner at least philosophically with our physicians and we just tell them this is what we want to do, then we're kind of cutting ourselves off at the knees. We need to engage them in, in what, what is new out there to help bring new, new volume to our hospital. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, Mary Beth, can you share three pieces of advice for emerging leaders today? Ah, <laughs> yeah, like somebody did for me a long, long time ago. Um, I would say um, a c- couple things. I don't know if I'm going to do one, two, three, or four, but I will say that what I've learned over the course of my many years of being um, in leadership is to, number one, trust your gut. Um, number two, invest in people and relationships. Without relationships, it's really hard to move the needle. Um, I think sometimes we can get wrapped up into all the paperwork and the meetings and the decisions we need to make. Um, But I would say that I think one of the reasons I'm most satisfied as a leader, and if you were to speak to people that report to me or that I work with, I am a people person. Um, I balance my rounding, uh, purposeful rounding, with a lot of what they call howdy-doody rounding. I like to get to know people. I like to ask about their families. Um, because it shows that I'm a human being too. Um, so don't take yourself too seriously. I mean, get the job done, um, but invest in your people and your people will invest in you. Um, the other thing I would say for any leader out there um, who is kind of in an operational area like I am, and I, I know I've, I've, I'm beating this dead horse, but really to engage your doctors, have very meaningful conversations with them, um, ask them their opinion, even, you know, even if you don't really necessarily want to hear it or, or take what they're going to say to you as gospel, just asking makes a world of difference. Um, and they, uh, you know, physicians can make or break your organization because they, quite frankly, are the ones that choose where they bring their patients to. So I guess underlying all of that and any piece of advice would just be, you know, remember that it's all about people and relationships. You know, you can learn something, you can learn a concept from a book, you can balance a, you know, a general ledger, you can, you know, do staffing plans until you're blue in the face. But if you forget you're working with people, then you're probably not going to be real happy in the long run and maybe not even as successful. 